Greetings, Weary Wanderer, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. This week, we are playing Waveform City Blues by Thunder Egg. Jack into Waveform City, a half-digital megaopolis of the tomorrow that should have been. Inspired by synthwave and darkwave music, the art of Patrick Nagel, and the ethos of the Outrun movement, Waveform City Blues is an immersive take on classic 80s design and aesthetics. This is a solo cyberpunk game that presents evocative plot generators, scene creation, and narration tools. Then, step back to allow you to discover the emergent story. It is based on the Dominus system created by the Dominus Collective, an anonymous group of authors and designers from Brazil. There are an extra set of pages in this book that provide for easier NPC generation, as well as for guidance for conflicts, including several options for non-combat challenges. So, Waveform City Blues, diving on into the rules. There are five core rules and then some special rules. So, first rule is going to be preparation. Choose or roll an archetype from the table and give your character a name. Then roll a die for each of the three columns in the plot table. History. To start your story, choose or roll a place in the scenes table. Whenever you enter a scene, roll a die. If it shows a three or less, roll a character. If it rolls a four or more, roll an event. You can move on to a new scene if you feel it is appropriate and you have resolved any apparent conflict. All right, so basically you're going to roll up a scene and then you're going to decide if it's going to be a character focus or event focus. That w that's what that is saying. Challenge. Whenever your character tries to do something that could go wrong, you have a challenge. Roll a die. If you get four or more, you manage to beat it. If there is something in this situation that will give you an advantage in the challenge, roll two dice and choose the higher one. If something would give you disadvantage, roll two dice and choose the lower Advantage cancels out disadvantage and vice versa. Dilemma. Whenever you have a question whose answer is not obvious, determine two possible options. Yes or no, left or right, A happens or B happens, etc. and roll a die. If it shows three or less, it is the first option. Four or more is the second option. And rule five is the idea bank. Whenever you need to better elaborate a place, character, or event, Roll through the idea bank and interpret the results of any column according to the scenario. Finally, there is rule X, which are special rules. The scenario may have special or unique rules. So that is the basic of Dominus. For Waveform City Blues, we have adventures in a half-digital world of neon lights, chrome gear, and pulsating synthwave music. So we have ourselves a plot table, roll 3d6, one for each column and choose your plot. You have your operator archetypes, scenes, and idea bank. For some of your rule X's, first one we have advancement. Keep track of completed missions. Whenever you want to level up, roll a D6. If it is equal to or lower than your completed missions, you level up. Gain plus one max grit and gain the thing in the idea bank equal to your roll. Also, roll a quality for that thing. Reset your completed missions to zero. So basically, in order to level up, anytime you complete a mission, you're going to mark that down. And if you want to level up, you roll your D6. If you've completed three missions, then you have to roll a three or lower. And then you also get a thing from the idea bank to add to your inventory. 
Another rule X is training. You automatically have advantage for any role in which your archetype is listed as an expert. So, for example, one of the archetypes is driver, expert in handling vehicles. So if you're trying to escape somebody in a vehicle, you will have advantage on that role. As you're playing the game, you also have twists. So whenever you resolve a challenge, roll an additional die of a different color. Or roll an additional die and remember which die it's supposed to be. If it rolls a 1, you get a bad twist or a glitch. If it rolls a 6, you get a positive twist or an ace. If you don't want to think of a glitch on the spur of the moment, you can always choose to inflict minus 1 grit, especially during conflicts. As an optional rule, you can stop rolling the twist die for the rest of the scene after you've rolled a twist. Rule X, Iconic Gear. You have one piece of truly special gear. It might be a mask, an implement, a car, or something else. Describe it and its purpose. Once per session, you may nullify a glitch or turn a regular twist die roll into an ace. Declare how your gear caused this or how you use it to change the outcome. Gear also gives you advantage once per session on a roll related to the gear's purpose. And finally, grit. Each operator has four grit. Lose grit when you take damage from failed challenges, regardless of the source. At zero grit, you are out of the scene or fired. You do regain one grit per night, however, and more if you have more luxurious accommodations. There is an NPC roster table here, so that'll allow you to keep track of NPCs if you're running a more long-form game. In addition, you have advanced NPC abilities, and that'll happen if you have any NPC level 4 or higher. Conflict. The plot in virtually any story revolves around conflict. Waveform City Blue Story Generator allows you to create your own conflict from nothing. Now, this conflict doesn't need to be warfare or combat. Each of the six actions in the idea bank represent one half of a binary conflict access. If you're escaping, someone else may be pursuing. If you're sneaking, someone else is seeking. As you investigate, you're working to find something that another person has hidden. So... Use the idea bank. You don't always have to have violent conflict. And for our last page, we have a couple more tables. We have character distinctions in order to make your character or NPCs more interesting or unique. Motivations and desires. So a nice little table to give you some emotional and material motivations and desires for NPCs or the PC. And story twist. This will be your glitch and ace table. So anytime you roll a glitch or an ace, roll on this table, find out whatever it is, and you will be good to go. But with that, we're going to go ahead and dive on into our gameplay. So first things first, we need to get ourselves a character archetype. And we rolled one, so we are a driver. So we are a driver. So we're going to go with the name Hemet. And of course, because this is a cyberpunk synthwave type thing, we are going to be using some of the more elite speak in our spelling. And let's get a character distinction up on here. So for that, I'm just going to roll a D3 and a D6. The D3 is going to determine the table or the column that I'm using. And then the D6 will determine what I got. And that is the advantage of using digital dice is I can roll a D3. All right, so I got first column, fourth option. 
a cast-off Gestalt member. And I'm going to assume that cast-off Gestalt member is some form of some form of gang or crew that I used to run with, but something had happened and I was kicked out from them. And then for our iconic gear, I have decided that we are going to have a chain link steering wheel. This is going to be this is going to be my little lucky charm. All right, it is that steering wheel made out of welded chain link and as we are in the near future, I am going to say that steering wheels are easy to pop on and off. So anytime I'm in a vehicle, I'm going to be swapping out with my particular steering wheel. And this is also a little bit of code that I carry with me. So any vehicle that I would be operating in the digital space as well would also have that particular type of steering wheel. So now that we know a little bit more about Hemet, let's go ahead and get our plot. So again, to determine plot, we're going to roll 3d6 and just go down the columns. And we got ourselves 6, 1, and 4. So for plot, we have new game is neuropressive, which is what happened. We need to gain the source card. If not, street class folk will suffer. So now that we have everything all together, it is time to set up our first scene. So to set up our scene, we're going to roll another 3d6 to determine place, character, and events in the scene. All right, so now we need to set up our first scene. So first of all, we need to roll a d6 for our location. And we need to roll another d6 in order to determine if there are going to be characters or an event. So we'll just roll 2d6. Our first one will be our location. And then our next one will determine if it is a character scene or an event scene. All right. So we got a three for our scene location, which is a nearby empty street. And then we got a one for whether it was going to be character or event. So now we need to roll one more d6 to determine what character is also in the scene with us. And that is a four, which is an AR virtuoso. So in my mind, in my mind, this virtuoso has is part of this new game. And they're the ones who they're the ones who understand that the game is neuropressive. And this virtuoso is trying to trying to get the people together in order to find this source card because again they're they're involved in the production of this game they're obviously a big name they offer a lot of credibility to the project so they're being they're being chosen as some type of they're doing they're doing some type of voice acting so just think of it like anytime a popular media personality is attached to a project as a voice actor that's what's going on with this virtuoso. But that's also how the virtuoso found out about the oppressive nature of this game. That their voice and their music was going to be used to dull the rational senses of the people. And 
that's not something that's not something they want to have attached to their legacy. So they have reached out to they've reached out to Hemet. They were able to track Hemet down. Hemet does have a bit of a reputation. And you know, talking with talking with Hemet, Hemet Hemet kind of shrugs and is like, look. You need a driver, I can drive. You need somebody to run a boat, I can run a boat. You need somebody to operate a digital vehicle, I got you. What I ain't got though is a crew. My last crew, my last crew all kind of split. And so we're in a little bit of a like I'm in a little bit of situation. I will help you out, especially for the payday that you're talking about. However, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find some other people to put together because my connections right now, my connections right now are a little slim. And this virtuoso is going to this virtuoso is going to nod and take that information under advisement. And we're gonna do a roll here just to see if the virtuoso is able to put a crew together or if they just find another pre-made crew and now Hemet is out of luck so we're gonna we're gonna call that a dilemma so one to three the virtuoso is able to find some other people to be part of the crew four to six Hemet is out of luck as another group is put together and that is a six it looks like Hemet is out of luck unfortunately so we're gonna have to roll ourselves a new plot line so that'll be another 3d6 and we got 366. So three, a building burned down. We need to catch the shadow. If not, Zero Corp achieves Panopticon. And for those at home who don't know what a Panopticon is, because neither did I, I had to look this up. This is a disciplinary concept brought to life in the form of a central observation tower placed within a circle of prison cells. And Panopticon theory is that people can be controlled when they believe to be them under constant surveillance, even if no one is watching. So we had a building burned down and we need to catch the shadow. Otherwise, Zero Corp will achieve the surveillance state. So we're going to go ahead and say that we've skipped forward a little bit and we're going to give... We're going to give Hemet a new crew to run with. At the very least, Hemet was sought out by a new crew in order to help figure out what's going on with this burned down building. So Hemet has been hired on as a driver. And we're going to skip a few scenes ahead, actually. We're just going to roll for a place on our scene, but we're going to say that we're already in the chase. So we'll roll our 1d6 to see what the location is. And we got a 3 which is a nearby empty street. But we are already going to be in the middle of the chase. So one of the members of our crew was able to track down the shadow and got a lead on their location. And as, as everybody was getting ready to move in, there was a bit of a kerfluffle, a little bit of a fight. The shadow managed to break out and get away. And they are zooming away on their on their motorcycle. And we are following along behind them in, in Hemet's vehicle. So Hemet is going to attempt to keep up with these guys. 
Hemet's going to attempt to keep up with the shadow, and Hemet's going to try and overtake the shadow. And because this is driving, we get to roll with advantage. So that is two twos, which is a failure on, which is a failure on pulling up next to him. Let's roll our glitch, and nope, no twist in that. Luckily. So as we're zooming down this empty street, we aren't able to we aren't able to pull up alongside of them. Let's see if we stay in the all right, we do stay in the empty street. They seem to be zigzagging, trying to zigzag through some of the maze of streets going on, but they are sticking to the empty portion. So we're still in a little bit of an abandoned, less utilized part of town. So Getting up alongside of them didn't work. Let's see what happens if we try to tap their rear wheel with our with our front bumper. And that is successful. We were able to actually we're able to speed up just enough and tap their rear wheel that causes their motorbike to go out of control and careen off into the careen off into the side of a building. Luckily they were let's see if we have any glitch or anything. Nope, no twist in this. So yeah, yeah, they kind of careen off out of control and hit the curb. Bike goes one way, they go the other. And Hemet is able to pull up alongside of them as the rest of the crew jumps out and manages to subdue the individual. The bright side is... The bright side is... We have the person, we have the evidence that they're the ones who burned down the building and that that there was some nefarious purpose for it. The downside is the downside is after after taking control of them, but before getting them in front of a camera and getting them in front of some form of uh, social media to spill the beans on what exactly happened and why exactly they were doing it, their brain got a little bit scrambled. And so they were unable to, they were unable to say that Zero Core did it. Zero Core ordered it. So while we, while we did help set Zero Core back a little bit with this by revealing the arson, we were unable to, we were unable to get the full confession that we wanted. And realistically, realistically, if I was playing multiple characters in this, that would have also been that would have also been more roles for that scene, just to make sure that, just to let the dice decide a little bit. But we're only playing one character right now, and he's a driver, so it's not like much of this is completely within his wheelhouse. But with that, we're gonna call that a evening on this game. That is Waveform City Blues by Thunder Egg, and I really enjoyed this. This. It is a very small, very simple game to get into. You got a couple of tables and those tables are really just doing a jumpstart of idea work. And I like that. I like when you get just enough direction to give you some ideas and you're able to run with those ideas. Typically what you see in a lot of small rules like games is you don't get a whole lot of ideas with it. You're kind of left a lot on your own to figure out how you want to pursue it and with this one with this one you're not being left up to your own devices which is great i really enjoyed that it is a little 
it is a little confusing up front, especially things like grit. The only time you see an explanation for grit is one very small sentence in the middle of a whole bunch of other rules. So it took me two or three read-throughs before I finally found out what grit actually meant and did. But I do appreciate the fact that you're not being bogged down by a whole lot of stats. You're not being bogged down by a whole lot of stuff. It, this is very much a roll a handful of dice, jump into the game, and then see what happens. And then with the fact that losing all your grit just knocks you out of the scene, really it becomes up to you on if you die or not. But... You know, that is a lot of opportunity for your character being able to fail, but that failure not necessarily meaning that failure not necessarily ending the story, which which I do appreciate when a game sets that up well. Now don't get me wrong, I appreciate when I appreciate when games have character death because the hero doesn't always survive. So you do you do need that risk of that character story ending in order for in order for that epic fantasy high feeling to happen. But as this is more of a as this is more of a synthwave cyber cyberpunk noir type thing, I also appreciate the fact that you're not really worried about character death. You're only worried about whether or not whether or not you like you win the case, so it does give you that it does give you that good noir feel to it. You you do feel like a noir protagonist where it's where it's a case of hey, I'm not gonna win everything, and you know even in stories where I do win, I don't win. So I like that. I like that feeling. I think it I think it fits in well with the aesthetic. One thing to note is be careful which version you get if you do pick up this game because they have a printer-friendly version and they have their normal version. Their normal version has solid black backgrounds. It's got a double-page layout uh, type situation. It's not printer-friendly. Like, your printer is not going to like it. But the printer-friendly version... It's got the white background, so you're not wasting all your black ink. It's in a single-page format, so it does print a heck of a lot easier. So if you're, if you're just keeping a digital version, by all means, get the, get the regular version. Some of the art in here is very lovely. The aesthetics of the thing are great. It's got a nice Tron feel to it. But if you're the type who likes to print it out and flip back and forth between the, between the pages, then make sure you are using the printer-friendly version. But outside of that, yeah, no, great little game. Really enjoy it. This does have a lot of potential for a longer campaign. Definitely play out definitely play out those scenes a lot more. Definitely do more challenges in those scenes when you're playing. Just the format of the format of this show, we're not exactly diving super deep into into scenes because we're just trying to give you a feel for the game and the mechanics, but when you're playing, make sure that you're make sure that you're diving in. And if you need an idea of if you need an idea of what it looks like to dive into a scene and have multiple challenges in a scene, go check out Aaron Adventures. Aaron Adventures does that really well with how they handle their scenes and their scene to scene work. They are not playing this game. A lot of the games that they're playing are 
a lot of the games they're playing are Iron Sworn or Powered by the Apocalypse types games. But just how they just how they handle the scene work in that is really great. So if you're interested in this game, but you felt that I was a little light and you're trying to figure out how to really dive into a scene, go check out go check out Aaron Adventures, especially season two, their pirate campaign. Between the Powered by Apocalypse game they were playing and the Mythic Game Emulator, they did an excellent job at scene-to-scene -scene work. Now, you're not going to need any of those tools for this game because this game does help set a lot of that up with, with the base rules, with the helping decide if a scene is going to be character-focused or if it's going to be event-focused, providing you places for those scenes to take place, that sort of thing. But great little game. Really enjoyed it. Definitely... Definitely worth, definitely worth an hour or so of gameplay. Easily can easily do an hour or so of gameplay in there, just a little one shot. And if you want to pick it up, you can find Waveform City Blues on Drive Through RPG. So make sure you check out the link in the show notes in order to go find that game, because Drive Through doesn't have nice links in order to say on on the air, but Go check out the link down below. Go check it out. If you pick it up, make sure you tell them that Steel Stash sent you. And remember, I must ask y'all to stay awesome.